Hey guys, welcome to the Unafraid Podcast with Josh Pressler and Nathan Richards, aka Nasty Nate. How you doing today, Nate? Doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Um, had a pretty good weekend overall. Getting the week off to a good start. Did hurt my back though, so that kind of sucks. But I hurt my back too. Yeah, but you've had a hurt back like your entire life. I know, but it was like I haven't heard it in this way in quite some time. Yeah, what'd you do? Was, we just moved some stuff around in the house yesterday. Didn't lift with your with yes, your you I lifted guess. with your back. I guess. Hey, that's how I hurt mine. <laughs> except I was lifting weights and used poor form. So, um, had a very interesting moment on Sunday mm-hmm. at church. Let's talk about that. And I'm kind of interested to get your perspective as an outsider on what you saw happen and how you understood it. I couldn't call myself an outsider. The The lady that kept came up to you was an outsider. but Yeah, and the one that was sitting in front of us staring yeah. at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But go ahead. No, I just want your perspective on... Well, I, nobody knows what you're talking about. What you thought. I know. Okay, so the pastor did a call to the altar, basically... Uh, did a, uh, if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart type thing and uh, asked people during prayer time to put their hands up and then stand up. And, and wait, yeah, during prayer time, he asked them to put their hands up, but then after prayer time, he said, stand up, right? Correct. Okay. And then... But I will correct one thing. It, he didn't exactly say um, if you've never had Jesus in your heart. If you've never accepted it, he didn't really word it that way. It was worded a little confusing, at least in my eyes, to um, if you want to turn it all over to Jesus, was I think how he said it. Something like that. Yeah, I don't I don't recall it being that way. Um, hold on, I can pull up the exact thing that he said. I've already got the video ready to go. Oh, you saved it from that point? Not from that specific point, but I can get there pretty quick. You want to just pause? Just fill some time in? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, didn't plan on filling in any time here, waiting on a video, but overall, so yeah, good weekend. Had a good weekend at church. I'll just kind of say basically when this call to the altar happened, I was feeling called by Jesus to raise my hand and then also to stand up which may be surprising to a lot of people because I got baptized May 27th, 1997. And I don't disagree with that baptism. And I don't think that baptism was incorrect. Um, it is something that I kind of struggled with for the last few months of, of do I need to be rebaptized or not? But ultimately, I didn't think I did. But then I did feel in that moment that I had a call to publicly profess a recommitment, if you will. All right, so here is the recording. I think Nathan has it pulled up now of what the pastor said. All right, so this is a prayer. Here I started with the whole Dear Jesus thing. Start reading and studying and wrestling. Our answer is yes. The right setting, God, the desolate place. Well, it's still very dark. 
the right time, the right place, we make room for you. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you heard me talk about relationship with Jesus and the truth is you don't have one. Maybe you're here and you kind of know church or this is all new to you. I want you to know that Jesus Christ died for you, that heaven and hell are real. That because of our sin, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And we will all stand before God who is merciful, but he is also a judge. People often say, how could a loving God send people to hell? Here's the truth. God doesn't send people to hell. You and I are going to hell because of our sin. God so loved you and me that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the payment for my sin and your sin so that we would be able to choose what we will do with Jesus. And those of us who choose to receive Jesus and to surrender our lives to him as Lord and Savior, we will be saved and spared from the wrath and eternal judgment of hell. See, this is a reality of the gospel that a lot of churches won't talk about. But this I think, is the reality I think we of right the gospel there. that we will so, one day face. There was definitely, listening back to it now, it was definitely a call to the altar. Right. That's what but I said. I think I was in and out of my own prayer. Right. And I, and I was feeling this yeah. stirring too. And yeah. I just didn't raise my hand or stand up, but yeah. I did go to the altar. All right. So back to what it looked like from your own eyes. Right. To so, my own eyes, it so looked like we, you just we've accepted gone... Christ for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said earlier, <laughs> that was in 1997. <laughs> so was it though? <laughs> it, it was. It was. Uh, and so, okay, continue on with what you were saying and seeing. Just, yeah. I mean, it's like I, for Pastor Sean has a way while he's praying to kind of it, it feels like it transitions from a prayer to back to his sermon. And so I'll tend to open, my, open, my, open up my eyes after he's already said, like, close your eyes, but he's like 10 minutes into the prayer. And so I'll open up my eyes and just sort of watch what he's doing because he's still animated up here on the stage. And then he does the whole thing, like, uh, with, every, with all the eyes closed, all heads bowed, you know, raise your hand if you need to accept Jesus, basically. And uh, I wasn't, look, I closed my eyes intentionally and I didn't look over. Uh, at Josh or anybody else. So just to say in that moment, I do think he said, um, if this applies to you, not if you want to accept probably, Jesus. He probably yeah, said I think that he way. said, if this applies to yeah, you. Yeah, he said that. And so me being in and out of the prayer, that's yeah. where my head was like, well, yeah, this is applying to me right now. Right. And so then then we all open our eyes and he asked everybody that raised their hand to take a bold stand in front of the congregation, basically, and stand up. And, and, then, he, and then once they all stand up and you stood up, and I'm staying there like you're sitting there going, all right, uh, this clearly meant something different to him or he just didn't hear what the pastor was saying. But either way, he's committed to it. He's he's standing up. Everybody's looking at him now. And so it was kind of funny. Yeah. And I think looking back, you know, I, maybe I misinterpreted the purpose, but I think God blocked that for a reason. I think, you know, and, and this is a little bit, I think, what we're going to talk about today um, I, I I believe that I was meant to stand as a public profession of of really just committing full force. You know, I've never once since 1997 wavered. I, I you know I believe Jesus is Lord. You know, I've confessed with my tongue and believe in my heart. But 
you know, I was 11 years old in 1997 and some might say that was too young, but I don't think I've ever questioned it since then. Yeah. But I think the issues that I've had have been stemmed from, uh, not always running with the right crowds, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I used to think that, you know, my testimony wasn't good enough to share with people, to bring people to Jesus. Sure. And so I was like, okay, I grew up in the church, went to church my whole life, became a Christian, Mm -hmm. you know, believed in God, believed in Jesus, all of that stuff. And I'm like, that's boring. Well, it wasn't until really a couple of years ago that God kind of slapped me on the head and was like, dude, that's not your testimony. Your testimony started May 27th, 1997. It was like, you, just like David, have put walls between but you weren't as fast to come back to me as David was. Mm-hmm. You weren't as fast to repent. And that's what you need to start being better at. And in those moments, it was just like, you know, okay. I was like, yeah, absolutely. That I need to be this. I need to be all in. I need to stop saying, you know, I'm a Christian and not always acting the part. Yep. And so, you know, I. that's where I think I struggle. Like, I, I truly believe that my baptism was 100% legit. I just think at points in life, I lost my, lost my way a little bit and just needed to re profess, confess, profess Mm -hmm. one of those words that, you know, this is, this is the right direction. So, yeah, I don't even, I, I mean, I don't even remember my salvation date at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I too grew up in the church and been my whole life. So I, I would imagine that, that like age six, I accepted Christ in my heart. And then, and then that altar call, uh, they always weighed heavy on me. Like it, like it did to you this time, this late in life. And, uh, every time there's an altar call, I always felt the need to raise my hand, stand up and reaccept Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Like, Maybe it didn't take the first time. Yeah. I need to try it again. And I've been baptized at least four times. So it's it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, I, because I think scripturally it says somewhere like, even though even some of those that think that they're saved won't be saved. Does that make sense? Does that ring a bell? Yeah, that rings a bell. Um, but... I I think we're kind of meant to be that way, if you think about it. Because in the beginning, when we were created, like we were created with intelligent design, right? So we were created with the ability to think, which is why we were created with the ability to be deceived. You know, so when the serpent came down and convinced Eve that surely you won't die, Eve started doubting. I mean, even after, you know, in the New Testament, when you have Thomas saying, well, I won't, I won't believe until I see his scars and feel them for myself. You know, that's even though he's walked with Jesus, Jesus has told him this entire three years that they've been with each other, that this is how it's going to end. And this is what will happen. They didn't get it still until they could see, you know? So it's like, we kind of go through that same struggle. So we doubt ourselves. It's not that we doubt God. It's that we doubt ourselves. And that's kind of what I felt was that day. It was just like, 
I've, I've never doubted God. I've never doubted Jesus, but I have doubted myself. And I have doubted the things that I've done, which has put that wall up yeah. between me and Jesus. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, we've all done that. Yeah. yeah. I still do that. So today I want to talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> John 21, which we're going into the story of uh, the third time Jesus reappeared to the disciples after his resurrection. So just bear with me. We'll read along for about 15 verses. So after Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others were his, of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but they, that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple of whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was not the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. All right. And that's where we're going to stop. Now, the first two times Jesus asked him, it was the agape form of love, which is an unconditional type of love. And Peter responds with phileo, which is a brotherly type of love. And the third time Jesus asked him, he said it in phileo form. And the significance of that is he's basically telling Peter that even if you can only love me as a brother, I still want you to watch over my sheep. Man, I love that. What I want to focus on is the first time that he asked him. Um, if you look at what he asked... He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What does that mean? Is my question. Do you love me more than these? Yeah. That's the question. What are these? He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So remember, Simon is Peter. Mm-hmm. So... 
in this circumstance, there's only two these that can be presented. You have the other disciples that are all there. And you have the fish. So I've heard it recently and I was in that. What if it was the fish that Jesus was referring to? Mm-hmm. And that struck a really, really interesting chord because it's like, do you love me more than what's right in front of you? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a, a great interpretation of it. Like, do you love me more than your job? Do you love me more than your hobby? Yes. Do you love me more than, you know, like you said, what's yeah. right in front of you? Basically saying that. Like, do, where am I in your life while you're where doing Where am I in your this? life? Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, if you read it in that context, because I've never, I've never read it in that context before. Me personally, I've always read it in the context of, do you love me more than these, the other disciples around? And when I heard it spoken that way, I was like, wow. I was like, he's he's very well asking Peter right here, do you idolize things other than Jesus? Am I the most sure. important yeah. thing in your life? And that's what takes me back to you know this whole conversation and to why I felt the call that day in, in church on Sunday was like, you know, there's been so many times over the past 26 years almost now of my walk with Christ that I couldn't honestly say that I loved him more than these. Yeah. I've never thought about it to that extent. I've always thought about like, have I ever stopped loving him? And I don't, I don't think that I've ever stopped loving him. I just sort of stopped following him. Right. You loved him less than these. Yeah. So there's, you know, just we're going to, I'm going to reference back to David, right? King David, he saw a beautiful woman bathing down below Bathsheba, Mm -hmm. called him up and called her up, sorry. And basically had his way with her. You you like the story. You bring this up a lot. Well, I'm bringing it up because it's it's relevant. No. Because then he feels he needs that she gets pregnant. So they need to cover what they did. So send Uriah, her husband, to the front line to get killed in war. And then he's so ridden with guilt that he writes, I believe it's Psalm 51. The entire Psalm of Psalm 51 is David pouring out his heart. Um, let me, let me double check that real quick. Yeah. Psalm 51. It's, it's basically him completely repenting to the Lord for these sins and that's, you know, one of the things that David is most admired for is being a man after God's own heart. And that's because even though he wasn't perfect, David was far from perfect in his life. Bathsheba was just one example. Yeah. But he was always quick to repent. And he was always quick to turn back. And that's something that I want to strive to do. You know, I, I for 27 years have not always been quick to repent. There's certain sins that I've allowed myself to digest more and more of and fall further away, not separate because I believe once we're saved, we're always saved based on what the Bible teaches, but just to fall away a little bit and, and kind of build a wall between myself and that relationship with Jesus. And I don't want to do that anymore. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but we all we all come in and in and out of that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I came to this I came to a very 
similar realization myself uh, Sunday morning. You know, I mean, you stood up and I felt, once I saw you stand up, I was like, yeah, I probably should have stood up. But I was like, yeah, I, I, I understood what, what he was saying at the time. And I was like, this doesn't really apply to me, but I get how I can make it apply to me. And then he did the call to the altar and, and, uh, you, See, and I, and from my point of view, I had no clue you even went to the altar. I know. you. So were, when we walked out, it looked like you walked in the direction to go get your girls. Right. And that's exactly what I thought you did. Right. But I broke off from you so quickly. I figured you'd be like, what's what? Cause we we're mid conversation. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just sort of shot down the aisle. Well, I tried to go, you know, I was like a salmon in in the stream, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like everybody's trying to come out and I'm trying to go in. But, uh, yeah, I just went down to the altar and I, and I laid my nakedness out in front of God, you know, in front of the man that was standing there at the altar to represent, uh, I don't, he doesn't represent God, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, another brother, he, 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 he was a brother in Christ. Yeah. He's a brother in Christ. Yeah. So it was there for, for me to, he's there to be a soundboard, I guess, uh, but yeah, I I got into some stuff, and I and I this complete stranger that I'd never met before. I I laid myself bare pretty much, and and told him exactly all of my shortcomings, and about a conversation my wife and I had that morning, and about you know my struggle as a father, my struggle as a husband, and just my my being stagnant as a Christian. Uh, you know, the, I couldn't recall the last time that I intently read the word, you know, uh, I mean, I've read verses obviously, but that's only like, it's up on the screen at church and they're, you're reading along or, you know, maybe I'll be like, occasionally I'll be at home and be like, Oh, it's that one verse. And I'll go looking for it. And then I end it there, but I haven't. I haven't just been diving into the scripture when he was talking about his family's quiet time and, and his uh, moment he had with his daughter that really struck home with me. And it, it really made me feel like I needed more structure in my life. Yeah. So then you made some changes. I understand. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, it wasn't immediate. But, um, well, I mean, we're only two days removed. It's pr- no, pretty yeah. immediate. Well, okay. But so, here, so here's the thing is that, which is good. That's, that's good that it was as quick as it was. So I believe that when God is stirring something up inside of you, he can speak through other people that will speak to you, not knowing exactly why they're speaking to you. And in this situation, it was a text message from your wife. She yeah. had, she had sent an article that she came across because we had we sent her we sent we sent y'all like a text message like oh this is what we're up to tonight ah and a picture of like us in Hannah's room and yeah. trying to get her to clean it and stuff yeah and this was actually Saturday night before church right Saturday night before church it was kind of like a ha 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 type thing and then yeah okay and then so she sent that uh, a couple hours later. And I actually read it, and I, I thought I thought about it for a while, and something that I'd already heard before, 
but it it struck struck differently i guess the way it was written this time by this particular person who wrote it and it made me think okay what what's the worst that could happen like we're already experiencing the worst right now like we've got rebellious girls that are constantly bickering and fighting and and getting you know just angry for for no apparent reason so what what's it gonna hurt to try a different approach you know we've been doing this approach their whole lives let's try something different and so based off that article i made a couple tweaks myself uh sunday i was marinating in it pretty much all day even while i was watching football Uh, and then um monday my wife didn't have to go into work she was home and uh i i ended up talking to her just about an hour before the girls got home and laying down was on my heart regarding the girls and kind of like my thoughts on how we could improve as parents. Uh, and she was receptive to it and we sat down right then and there at the table and wrote out like a schedule because we've never gone off of a schedule with them. It's just kind of been like they get home from school and we sit there and, fight with them for the rest of the afternoon. Like, please put your dishes away, put your backpacks up, go do your homework, you know, do typical parent stuff. Yeah. Typical parent stuff. But again, with no structure, just kind of like, why are you fighting? You should be doing something productive. Go stop fighting with your sister. Go do your dream boxer, which is their schoolwork. Um, and so we spent about, like I said, we spent about an hour working out, how we were going to approach this differently. We probably could have spent a whole nother hour doing it, but the girls got home from school and we had a skeleton of a schedule written up with no real meat on the bones, but an idea of how we wanted to execute it. And we decided, you know, within that moment, like we're going to go ahead and do this today. Today's the day there. It's a Monday. They come home from school. Uh, it's right after church where the, where the sermons like have you on my heart. And that article's heavy on my heart. And stoke the fire. And I yeah, I just I don't I don't want to keep living the way we've been living where we're constantly fighting with each other. It it causes stress with me and my wife. My girls feel stressed. One of them is quick to anger. I I I get pretty quick to anger. So it was time for a change. And so yeah, we 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 set a structure, you know. I, I mean I could go into that, but that's quite a bit more no yeah i think i think it definitely goes along with proverbs 22 6 though where it says you know train a child up in the way that he should go and when he is old he will not turn away from it right a lot of times we look at that verse and we think strictly biblical you know it's like train train a kid in the way of god and they won't stray from it as they're older but i think the same thing applies you know to uh, I mean, kids are visual learners, right? They, they learn from doing, they learn, they learn from all sorts of ways. But like you said, one of them has quick to anger issues, which isn't surprising because you have quick to anger issues, right? I have the same issue. I don't have a kid right now to get it from. And I've been working on that in my own heart, in my own time. But, you know, it's like, I can see how the habits are easily learned. And sometimes the habits that we don't like in ourselves the most we see come out in our children because that's what we display. So we, we added a, a bunch of different things for them to do when they go home from school. But the coolest thing 
that we added that that we I mean, as Christians, we should have added so long ago, but we just didn't. It was an oversight on our part, but, you know, we added the quiet time. And at first, I thought that the quiet time was going to look like what Pastor Sean was saying, where where it sounds like they all kind of do the quiet time at the same time. They may be in different rooms or whatever, and if the Spirit pushes him or whatever, he'll call them in with him, and they'll do their quiet time together. They'll have a conversation. And I kind of was like, oh, that's like the perfect sitcom family type thing. Let's just go that route. And Jen kind of had a different idea, and so we kind of compromised, and we came to a different uh, – uh, we, we we came up with a, with a different way of doing it, which is, you know, uh, the, the last hour before – I wanted it to be – Straight before bedtime, because that would be like a wind down time. Like you're getting to quiet time, you're resting, you're reading, and then you just go to bed. And that's kind of how I picture it. And Jen was like, "Well, what we we don't want them fighting over shower time or taking showers together because that gets into a big old chaotic mess. So let's go ahead and have one go up, and you know, Caitlin will go up first, take her shower, twenty minutes. She's got a shower, brush her teeth, pick out her clothes for tomorrow, and." and get her pajamas on. And then she comes downstairs, and while she's up there doing all that, Hannah's downstairs doing her quiet time, and then they they swap. And then Hannah goes up and does her shower and all that stuff, and Caitlin does her quiet time. And I'm thinking at that time, like, okay, cool. We, we can all sort of sit there and quietly read what we feel feel led to read. And, and Jen was like, mm, without saying it she just demonstrated where she uh opened up the kids bible and read the same story right along with hannah and you know they and they start off reading separately and then hannah ended up on mom's lap and and mom ended up reading to to Han- to her daughter and uh it was just beautiful and then at the end you know we uh said do you understand what we kind of what the story is about got the synopsis and then um had her clothes in, in prayer of her own way. And, and she's kind of, I guess, shy in certain areas, which is funny because she's not an overall shy child, but she can get that way. And and so during prayer time, she quietly prayed to herself and we're sitting there waiting for her to say this prayer so we can hear it. And we're like, are you going to pray? And she's like, I already am. <laughs> and then and then we're like, okay, well, can you say amen when you're done? <laughs> and she's like, okay. And she gets there and she's like, amen. And we're like, all right, cool. And we swap and yeah, it was just it was just great watching the girls just sit there and quietly, uh, be I mean just be still and be quiet and 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 the only talking was was scriptural, and then at the very and then Hannah kind of like finished her shower a bit quicker than usual and came downstairs and and when it was time for Caitlin to close out in prayer, Hannah got right back up on on her mom's lap and and started praying right. It was just. With my my three women together, just like hands clasped, eye, heads bowed, eyes closed, just praying to God in their own way, and it was it was beautiful. It was it was very moving because you know, like I said, we we haven't had that in our in our household. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Um, yeah, so in Koz, we we do that every single month when we meet. We have a what we call sit spot. Uh, it's not 20 minutes, you know, it's not that kind of quiet time because it's not designed to wind down and really, really hardcore focus on God. But what it what it is designed for is 
to connect with God on what you learned and have prayer. And so, yeah, it's definitely, that's a great move. I think, you know, having that added into y'all schedule, um, you know, and I'm sure, I guess you're going to do that when you get home tonight as well. They're, they're doing it right now. Doing it right now. This is, this is the quiet time, shower time. Gotcha. So how, how did the first night go overall? Yeah. Overall it went, it went really well. Like, like it was one of those, like, don't break your arm, patting yourself on the back moment. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like it just, it felt really good. And I, I was beaming and I was like, I just had such a sense of accomplishment. You know, it, it caused me to divert from my normal uh, routine when, when everybody's home. Uh, it caused me to not be so self-centered, but to kind of focus on, okay, this is family time and we're, we're all working together on doing this. And, and during the girl's free time, uh, Jen and myself went up to Hannah's room and we started cleaning her room. And it's just like, instead of fighting with her and yelling at her and getting angry in our hearts, we just decided, okay, we'll, we'll clean up the mess. And, and when she's ready, she'll come up and help out, you know, and, and that, that's the hope. And at the end of the night, Hannah actually said, tomorrow when you clean my room, I want to help you. I was just like, what? There's no way. Because I read that article and the lady basically... It was almost verbatim. I read the article and the lady basically said the exact same thing about her children. Like she didn't expect them to come up and and offer to help, but one of them came up and and started offering to help. And she was just like, what child is this? And I was like, okay, clearly you don't know your children because I know my children and my daughter would never do this. And then like that night... You know what that reminds it reminds me of the experiences that you hear about like when they go to other people's houses. Right? Like like when at Christmas. When Christmas was over, we had Hannah and Caitlin over and the first thing Caitlin wanted to do was help decorate the tree. Mm-hmm. But the second that y'all needed to decorate the tree at home, she didn't want to have anything to do with it. So it's it's almost it's almost brilliant in the way that you think about it. Like ultimately the way that we're created and the way that we're designed is to help one another mm-hmm. and love one another because yeah. that's the spirit that God put in us. Um, you know, we were, we were created in his image and his likeness for a reason. You know, now we are all created in Adam's likeness because of sin, but we're still created in God's image with that heart, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, we have that heart of wanting to help one another, be with one another, love one another. Cause that's innate. That's instilled upon us. But sometimes we overlook that because our priorities get off and we're on a timeline and we want this to happen by a certain time. So that's really, that's really cool that that happened um, that first night. Yeah. So anyway, all right guys. Well, I think that's about it for tonight. Um, I just, you know, it was really heavy on my heart today to just think about the fact that do you love me more than these? You know, and, and what do we put in our lives that is uh, before God? And and we need to recognize those things and try to fix that. So with that, we're going to bid you guys good night. Y'all have a good one. And we'll talk next time. Thank you for listening to Unafraid with Josh and Nate. Help us out by rating us on iTunes so more people can find our podcast. 
Hope you have a blessed week.